Hello, welcome to Studio Stories on Amherst Island Radio. I'm your host, Lynn Waiminga, and on this program I take you on a Canadian art tour, starting here on Amherst Island and going beyond. Every episode we visit a different studio and talk to artists and artisans about their work, their beginnings, and more. We'll update cjai.ca slash studio stories with images of or links to our guests' work and sites, so be sure to take a look. Hello, this is Amherst Island Radio, and I'm your host, Lynn Waiminga, and we are in the studio of Chris Laffin here on Amherst Island. Chris, how are you today? I'm just fine, thanks. Excellent. For people who, this is how I start everyone, for people who don't know you and your work, tell us a little about what you do. Oh, drawing and painting, uh, representational art, so... You can, it's usually pretty realistic, so you can uh, hopefully tell what it is that uh, I've that, uh, drawn or painted. And uh, I have only fairly recently got into painting. Um, I had done mostly drawing for a long time. And so I'm really learning the ropes now. Yeah. And uh, fairly new at it, but loving it. Excellent. And, uh, doing mostly figure painting and portraits these days. But I took a workshop in uh, landscape painting oh. last summer. And uh, there's Something one there. Different. And yeah. so uh, I would love to, uh, to do more of that as well. Explore a little more of that. Yeah. yeah. Neat. And um, I'm completely curious because Chris and I have been pre-discussing a little bit about the other things he's done in his life. So I'm going to I'm going to jump right into how right. did you get started? Well, uh, not unlike I think a lot of people uh, who have some interest in art when I was just a little kid, you know, I was right. given stuff to draw with and that sort of thing. And I was encouraged. My painters and uh, my parents were both uh, interested in the arts and my mother in visual art, and my father in music, mostly. And so uh, my brothers and I were encouraged from a young age to uh, dabble, and, and uh, I seemed to uh, be fairly good at it. And so I was given some lessons, but mostly, not for long, just a few months, actually. And so mostly I just uh, did stuff on my own, and... Uh, as I went through school, uh, some of the art I just did in classes was put into contests and I won things. And uh, when I got to high school, I was kind of the go-to person if they needed art for anything. And then when I got to uh, the university stage, I thought I would study art a lot, <clears throat> but the instruction at the school I went to was really non-existent. Wow. They had an art program, but the guy <clears throat> really didn't teach anything. Mm. And But the theater program was very good, and I liked that too. So I really spent my time doing that. And then after that, I was busy trying to make a living and uh, getting married and starting a family. And so I wasn't doing much art. And then uh, I decided to try it again because I liked it so much and uh, to my surprise I could hardly do it I was all thumbs really yeah. really yeah after a, a time of being away mm -hmm. you know the ability had gone pretty much and uh, so 
uh, I started getting back into it, and I uh, and I began to improve again right. as I did. Yeah. And uh, and then I I got I was doing woodworking mostly and carpentry to pay the bills. Uh, well, well, yeah, I had gotten as far as graduate school in theater and decided that uh, it wasn't for me. I didn't want that as a career. Mm-hmm. And uh, for one thing, you have to live in cities. And yeah, I hate true. it. I hate that's cities. True. So, uh, so I uh, did what I'd done during summers going to school, which was pounding nails and sewing boards. And so... I carried on with that and started my own, came to Kingston, got married, started a family, and uh, started um, uh, doing a little art on the side when I could. Mm-hmm. And eventually there are groups, a few groups around that do figure drawing, hiring models, and, yeah. and a bunch of artists can share the expense and make it affordable. Mm-hmm. And uh, so did that for... A while, and then, as I was saying, I got arthritis in my hands, and I had to stop the woodworking. And so I uh, got into teaching high school, and uh, taught some woodworking at the start, but then mostly art. And so uh, I was doing what I could in what time I had, and uh, and studying art and uh, that sort of thing, and. and was always quite envious of the students who could come in and have a whole period to just do art. Right. And I was struggling to find any time to fit some in. Mm-hmm. And so when I retired um, about 11 years ago, I uh, started doing a lot more. And uh, and we started a group on the island here of figure drawing. Right. And we met Susan at Susan's, yeah. yeah. And a lot of the drawings you've seen over there were mm-hmm. from that. Yeah. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And one of the things that made it a lot of fun was all of us getting together who were kindred spirits and, you know, would talk about things that were of interest to all of us. And uh, so that was very nice. Then I, Lynn and I, got together and and in talking about what we liked to do and wanted to do with our lives and everything I was saying well I'd just love to go to art school but you know I can't afford it and uh, you know I don't want to move to Halifax for four years or something to go to school and she said I'll bet we can find something and we looked around on the internet and there was a school in Toronto that was really just what I wanted. And it dealt with realistic art and painting called the Academy of Realist Art. And they were very flexible. You could come for one day a week. You could come every day. And it was project-based. So uh, you really got individual instruction, worked on your own projects. When you finished one, you moved on to the other. Those up there, all all the cast ones you see are, are projects there. <clears throat> and so, so for about four years, for the warm part of the year, for about seven months a year, I'd go to Toronto every other week and go to school there and do the excuse me do the projects. And it was wonderful. It was very good instruction, and I was able to improve my drawing in ways that I'd wanted to, and got started in painting. I didn't finish the program, but I got what I wanted, I think, yeah. and so I came back and, and have just been 
that was last September when I stopped going mm -hmm. and uh, so I've just been here painting and it is so nice to be at home in the studio and have everything set up yeah. and it's with a studio just built you know for me for what I want to do right designed by my son who's an architect mm -hmm. and uh, so it's you know it's I'm quite fortunate there aren't many artists who have you know, they often have a room in the house that yes. they make use of and that sort of thing. Yeah. And so to have a studio with the north light and the space and the right lighting and all yeah. this stuff is quite wonderful. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it, uh, I always find it interesting people's studios because I moved here from Toronto where, you know, the artists and artisans that I know you are using so up a much tiny happier. little space. And yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So. I'm rec recovering. <laughs> Torontonian. Well, but yes, I, most of the yeah. artists I know, uh, yeah. you know, make do with something mm -hmm. rather than uh, building. Yeah, this something. is an exceptional so, space. Yes, yeah. it is. So, yes, I'm very happy here. And and the whole having everything set up and ready to go anytime. That's, that's for oil painting. It's so yeah. important because, as you can see, I've got paints out that were out yesterday and day before and. and if you're using the room in your house that's also used for other things, you can't just leave everything set up. Right. And uh, so it's, I really did very little oil painting before the studio. And is that now your medium of choice or do you? Yes, it is. Yeah? Yeah. I still like to draw with charcoal and graphite and carbon and, mm -hmm. uh, and Conti, but uh, yeah, for oil painting, it's the most forgiving paint. Yeah. Yes, with watercolor, it's people say it's unforgiving because you know if something happens, there it is. And with oil painting, you can just if it's black and you want to put white over it, you just paint white over it, and it's just white. Wait till it's dry and, and do go yeah. over it, right? And uh, and you can keep coming back to it. I guess you can with uh, a number of other things, but and some people love acrylic, but I just find it frustrating it's translucent you know right. and you have to paint it once and then you have to paint it again just to get it covered right. you know and that sort of thing but there are people who handle it quite happily and yeah. and prefer it to oil you were saying about realistic and they are for the listeners they are very realistic i walked in and recognized some people right off the bat from some drawings of chris <laughs> they're they're beautiful well, thank you. Well, it's interesting because at the school I was going to, they're after high realism. So you don't see any evidence of the painter. You don't see brush strokes. It's perfectly smooth. Everything is blended thoroughly. The colors have to be exact. The drawing has to be exact. Everything is really as it is, as it appears, whatever you're painting, usually a still life or a casting. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, there are people who are wonderfully good at it. And when I look at that kind of painting, I'm really impressed with the technical expertise, but I don't really want to live with it so right. much, you know. And when I look at stuff that's a bit um, impressionistic, mm -hmm. where, where the artists have been more careful in choosing what they think is important and leaving out detail that isn't, and using the various means, there are many means of sort of uh, 
controlling what the viewer will be able to see and what will be perhaps a mystery to them. Uh, like that painting over there, mm -hmm. I've done a couple, you could probably pick them out, that are copies of masters or great painters. Mm -hmm. And it's a way students learn, have done for a long time, yeah, is to copy. Centuries. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you learn a lot doing that. And so in that painting, for example, you can barely make out in the background that there's a hood and that a person is sort of looking over their shoulder warily mm -hmm. and furtively glancing around. And uh, it's quite a powerful image. But mm -hmm. a lot of that is because the sort of mood of it is enhanced by this mysterious background. And you're, it's dark and yes. you're looking at it and thinking, what's going on? And it's yeah. hard to see. And... Uh, so, no indication of uh, where they are. And, right. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, that kind of thing, to me, makes a painting a lot more interesting than every, if everything is painted, you know, fully with all the detail of everything that's in the painting. And uh, so I haven't gone too far in exploring a more impressionistic approach to things than I've been doing, mainly because I've been trying to learn and be able to control it to get it realistic. But, right. Um, but I'm very interested in moving in that direction. Oh, interesting. Well, that'll be fun to see. Oh, yes. Terrific fun. Yeah. This is where I'm, I've gotten completely <laughs> captivated <laughs> by your, your answers. And now I'm like, what? Um, okay. So now that you're here in your in your great studio and um, and retired, so you've got the time. Do you have a routine that you like? You're there. I paint whenever I can. You paint whenever <laughs> you can. Yeah. Which is most days. Yeah. And I like to go to the gym about every other day, and mm -hmm. so that takes up half a day. Right. Going in. So I do that. errands, grocery shopping, all that at the same time. But uh, besides that, I pretty much do this. You're here. Yeah. Nice. And there's plenty of things that should be done in the house and all of that. But Linian is very understanding about this being a priority. Right. <laughs> and letting great. me do this. That's excellent. <laughs> I usually ask this later on in the interview, but if people want to see your work, do you have any? Oh, well, they could certainly just give me a call uh, and uh, I'd be happy to have them come by. Mm -hmm. My concentration so far has not been to try to sell art uh, very much or uh, or you know get commissions or anything um, because I'm learning yeah, yeah. you know and yeah. I'm just getting started really in painting and uh, so I don't have much of a body of work right uh, so I haven't you know concentrated on that very much but I did participate in the last studio tour but I don't you know I haven't tried to get in with a gallery anywhere or haven't set up a website or anything like that. Yeah, I, so. I usually do a search of people who I'm going to interview and I couldn't find you anywhere. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, like Shirley and, well, and really Susan and Peter and other people, uh, I'm in a fortunate position of not having to sell mm -hmm. work. And so I don't have to make a living at it yeah. and I can do what I want to do and... Uh, it's nice to and have the pressure, so, right? Yes. You can just play. It's very nice. Yes. <laughs> I've talked to a number of artists, and, and uh, both Peter and Susan, I don't know about Shirley, uh, have uh, 
had shows where, you know, there was a deadline and they were supposed to produce a certain number of paintings or drawings and uh, they had to work to that deadline. And I don't envy them that in the least. Yeah. And some artists find it useful because it forces them to produce. And they are thankful afterward anyway for the impetus. Right. But uh, I don't think I'm like that. Right. So that's another question that I ask people is, is uh, um, what is your inspiration? Or like, we, I was talking to a quilter who used to be, she, she went to school for fine art and used to be a painter. And, and she found that actually she's meant to be a quilter. <laughs> but, and I, and we, we, I don't know, we got on this conversation about inspiration and her art teacher used to say, you know, why are you just sitting there? Get to work. You know, inspiration will come when you're working, right? And that's a Picasso quote, I think. Oh, well, inspiration artists comes, and teachers to, all through the ages have said the same thing, you know. Has to find you working? Uh, well, and I, I know there was a, a story about um, Laurence Olivier, who was backstage, and there was a younger actor there, and the actor was twisting his body all around and and uh, and getting himself all contorted. And Olivier asked him what he was doing, and he said he was getting in the mood. And Olivier said, "Oh, just get out there and do it." <laughs> yeah. And art teachers have said that all along. Yeah. Is you know, if you're working, uh, it'll come. Don't yeah. wait for the inspiration. Yeah. And uh, and I think also. A similar sort of thing is the idea of talent, where uh, very often people think, oh, this person's a good artist because they're so talented. And almost any artist will say it's about 2% talent and the rest is work. Work. Hard work. Yes. Yeah. Just put in the hours yes. and, yeah, and learn. It's interesting because some people, like Shirley said, you know, I work best when I don't have something like a... I'm waiting for a call or I'm, you know, she needs a blank slate on the canvas and in her schedule yeah. and in her yes. head, you yes. know. Yes, well, I'm with her on that, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I don't need motivation to paint. I just love it and yeah. uh, I'll do it. You just go all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. And uh, tell us about your um, your subjects. What do you what do you love to, I mean, does, has it changed over time? I've always loved doing portraits yeah. and uh, yeah, and figures. And I must say, with portraits, <clears throat> I think a number of people feel that um, the appeal of a portrait is pretty much limited to the person who's the subject and their family and their friends. But I, my inspiration often is looking at art, and I spend a lot of time on the internet just looking at it. There's, it's wonderful, there's so much there. Yeah. And you can just go to an artist and all their works are there and that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you there are a lot of portraits where I would love to have them somewhere around just because they're, I, they're so wonderful. Yeah. And, and it isn't that they're just a good likeness, it's the way they're painted. You know, it's, it's just wonderful. And when I look at art that I like a lot and I just love art, I find that it helps me to see. And what I mean by that is the artists, as I was saying, they will simplify things and they will 
make use of lots of tools of how much contrast there is, whether it's a fairly light painting or a dark painting, whether it's all quite clear or whether it's a lot of it's very soft and whether they just put in an abstract background or they show recognizable things and you know what the edges are like and it focuses your attention on what they want it on and it is usually uh, much more beautiful than a photograph would be and so you're you can see the way they saw by looking at their yeah. work and when I do that and when I'm painting a lot and just looking at things for a long time you see a lot more than you would if you you know just glanced at something or took a picture and walked away or something and uh, and I find that I see the beauty much more when I've you know looked at art so, yeah yeah I agree and and um, I went to the artist project in Toronto it's down at the X and uh, didn't give it enough time we only got about halfway around but I remember walking into one booth and it was all portraits and it just made me feel really good to like you know it would just looking around and you know there were there were cheerful things and whatever and it wasn't it wasn't very realistic it was more impressionist it was more but yeah just the feeling and, and I just this big smile across my face and she came up to me and she said, I can see you get it. (laughs) (laughs) Gave me her card. It's like, yeah, but I mean, that's it, right? Yes. Yes. There were things that she concentrated on and and things that she left out because it just wasn't adding to the... Oh, sometimes people do things that, um, that are almost abstract you know you can just tell their eyes and a mouth and a few but there's an expression and there's yeah. a feeling to yeah. it and that's uh, quite they're very powerful images yeah. like that yeah so. yeah I keep looking at this one that you have of Lynn Ann and it's uh-huh. it's just so warm it, it's really <laughs> yeah. it's lovely it's there's joy in there yeah she was quite uh, happy and amused uh, a very good friend in Australia we were there uh, was sitting over to her on that side and chatting with her and uh, I was just sitting there snapping pictures with my iPad because I wanted to do a portrait of her and it's uh, hard to find time for to sit and everything and plus I like the expression yeah yeah yeah, Yeah, it was quite a warm moment yeah (laughs) okay so do you have a like do you have a common palette theme that you sort of work with I'm trying to keep it as simple as I can to start with. I've tried, uh, there's a painter who's alive now who's quite wonderful, Richard Schmid. Uh, And there are certainly quite a number, but he's one who's written some very good books and has explained his palette and has suggested that people make a bunch of uh, color charts, which would then show what colors you'd get mixing the colors of this palette together. Right. Just two colors at a time, but still it's quite a lot to go on. And so I was using that for a bit, but I think it's a fairly standard method of teaching painting is to have people start out with a limited palette. And so you have four or five colors and you just mix everything from that. And some very successful, experienced painters just do that and historically have done as well 
So I'm not sure where I'll go from here, but it's a good starting point to realize that if you <laughs> spend enough time, you can probably get the color you're after. Right, just by mixing them <laughs> yes. one of the four or five. And having a large or... choice makes it more complicated, and you may yeah. not be able to remember what you did and, and all of that. Right. So I think if you're going start... back to it. And, yeah. yeah, and so I think starting out with a small palette probably has some very good reasons that I'm just starting to understand about right. why it's a good way to go. Yeah, that's interesting. And that, that's what they were having me do at the school in Toronto mm -hmm. as well. And it gradually becomes a fuller palette. There's a guy who has a website, drawmixpaint.com, and he's uh, quite a successful artist. He's out of uh, Texas somewhere, Austin or Houston, and he has painted a couple of presidents, uh, Reagan and Bush, mm -hmm. and they're magnificent, realistic paintings. And he just uses it's four or five colors. And he says they're quite adequate, except in a few circumstances where you need some really strong color, bright color, like a purple or an orange or something that right. you can't get otherwise. And so on rare occasions, he brings in one or two other colors, but that's all he ever needs. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's so neat. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. Studio Stories is brought to you by Lens Lids, handmade hats and fiber art, as well as fun and functional merino wool hats. Lens Lids makes tea and coffee cozies and adorable needle felted ornaments. Find us online at lenslids.com, that's L-Y-N-N-S-L-I-D-S, on social media at, at lenslids, and the studio on Amherst Island is open by appointment. Drop an email to lenslids at gmail.com or call or text 343-989-1550. Now, back to our program. If you're just joining us, this is Studio Stories on Amherst Island Radio, and I'm your host, Lynn Weminga. This week I'm sitting with island artist Chris Laffin. Uh, so while you were talking about your childhood, I was thinking, you know, you were so lucky to have parents who valued art. That's right, you know, because I was teaching art in high school, and I had students who were really good. Mm -hmm. And they just had a lot of natural ability, and um, and I expected that they would be excited about that mm -hmm. and think it was quite wonderful and want to you know develop it and explore it. Didn't matter to them at all, and they just didn't put any work into it. They didn't care about it. When the class was over, you know, they went off and did whatever else they were interested in, and that right. was that. And I assumed that they just hadn't been encouraged at home. Right. That hadn't been an appreciation for art. But uh, yeah, it's, I, I think it makes a huge difference if you, at a young age, have uh, the experience of art as being something valuable, you know, whatever art it may be, you're more likely to think of it as something to be appreciated later and as you appreciate it more and it does seem kind of necessary <laughs> yeah yeah I agree and for me because I'm starting to do these interviews it's it's fun because I'll you know listen to them for editing purposes in the car or whatever and the other day I was listening and my son was in the back and usually they're like put your music up on your speaker yeah. you know I want to listen to my thing and and he said I don't think the back speakers are on. Can you turn them on? So, <laughs> yes, I can do that. Let's listen to this artist talk. Yeah, it's fun. 
What would you say um, is the most challenging part of your work? Mixing the colors and controlling the paint. Yeah. I mean, I'm so new to it. And what they were teaching in uh, at the school in Toronto is the academic approach that was developed really at the high point of realistic painting in around the, the middle of the uh, 19th century. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's where the term academic art came from, as the academies there started being very rigorous in the way they were teaching and developed programs that took people very carefully through stages of drawing and then painting and felt that you couldn't do a good painting with a poor drawing. So you had to be able to draw very well right. before you could uh, start splashing paint around. And, uh, and the methods they developed were uh, with multi-layers. And so you would start with dead colors, they call it, and then you'd do first painting, second painting, and glazing. And second painting might involve 10 times over and not even though it was called a second painting and uh, and then you would uh, glaze to you know influence things with a transparent color mm -hmm. and that sort of thing and all of it was to be able to control the final result more fully and so as you went along painting over things you would be able to blend them better with uh, you know thinned out uh, uh, layers and that sort of thing and as Richard Schmidt says in one of his books, there's nothing that beats that for tedium. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, I've started doing, that's what it's being taught in Toronto. And I was mm -hmm. a little bit frustrated with how long it was taking to do yeah. things and all, but it is important to be able to control the paint as thoroughly as you would like. And sometimes that means being very, very fine and getting exactly the right color and exactly the right blending and all that stuff. And it's not easy to do if you're doing direct painting, which means you don't do layers. It's like an all a prima painting where you sit down and you paint and you finish it. And that's that. In one sitting. And, and, yeah, or, and the paint's usually wet enough for a few days, for, right. for a couple of days anyway. So. Uh, I know some landscape painters who do all the prima work and they'll paint for four hours, say one day before the light changes too much to continue. Oh. And they'll take some pictures yeah. along the way and they'll finish it in their studio the next day. Yeah. But still, they're not dragging it out. They're putting on while the paint's wet with wet paint. That's the final thing. Right. And that's fun. <laughs> it's yeah. really fun. Yeah. So that's what I was doing with the, these paintings, mm -hmm. these more recent portraits. Yeah. And it's easier to muck it up, but, and it's harder to get, you know, a lot of really fine stuff. And so it lends itself well to a more impressionistic approach, but is it ever a lot of fun to just, you know, move along quickly and, mm -hmm. and, and slap the paint on? <laughs> <laughs> I asked you the most challenging and what's the most fun part? Well, the drawing is always a challenge because you can very easily get things off a bit. And if you want to be very careful and plot everything out by measuring, I don't mean literally measuring how many inches, but you hold up your pencil or your paintbrush mm -hmm. and you compare proportions and you get uh, things mapped out that way. Um, you can do it very slowly and methodically like that, but it's not as much fun. Right. So it's... I try to just draw something and, and do some measurements as needed if something doesn't look right. 
and, but that's always challenging mm -hmm. and uh, and so I feel a bit nerve-wracked when I'm trying to get it I'm not sure I will you know and sometimes it doesn't go well but uh, when that's done and everything is mapped out and I feel confident that everything's in the right place then from then on it's really fun whether it's a drawing or a painting you know right. to to make it come to life uh, just do this and do that until it starts to look like look real quite yeah. what you want it to look like so yeah this one that are you you're yeah this is right the now? this is the one I'm on right now yeah this yeah. figure painting I'm doing it from a uh, an image off the internet and it's quite wonderful they've got some sites where they just get models in to pose and they get good poses and uh, just say you know they're yours use them if you're an artist and uh, that's amazing it's wonderful so many resources at our fingertips yes right? yes so I have the TV screen there and I can plug my iPad into it and call up the image yeah and uh, and supposedly these images are better to work from than photographs or slides and I think real life is the best thing for yeah. sure but because I just can't get Lenny in to pose for that long <laughs> I don't and know. I think it's it would be not that comfortable <laughs> no, for a long look that comfortable. time, no. for hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think just to get—I haven't tried a lot, but I—I I think to get people to pose for long enough to paint a portrait uh, would be asking a fair amount, you yeah. know, to do it for, uh, you know, four or five days or something. Yeah. And hopefully, if I did it quickly, you know, uh, in three or four hours, but. Uh, I need Still. to practice a bit before I can be quite that speedy and, and like what I've done. <laughs> yeah, and people like me, fidgety, like there's no way. <laughs> That's right. No if way. you're fidgety, there's no way, Lynn. You can be assured. <laughs> no way. It's hard work modeling. Yeah. Holding still. And so I'm quite grateful when we get models who are willing to work that hard for mm. us. Influences? Pardon? In Influence? Oh. I just love so many of the painters from about 1850 to, say, 1930, all over the world. There just was wonderful art being done. And, of course, there's the French, people like Jules Bastien Lepage. I just love his work, and, and I love the Impressionists. There are, you know, wonderful Australian and, and Austrian and, and, uh, and lately Russian painters that I've been looking at right now a guy named Repin, Ely Repin, who apparently was in Russia, is about as well known as uh, Dostoevsky or Tolstoy. And, and here we, never we heard of him. yeah, and and it's mostly inside Russia that he's known, but his How he, do you spell his name? Uh, R E P I N. Okay. And uh, his paintings are signed and the Russian version of that, so it doesn't look like that. But if you Google him, you'll get it. People like Sargent and Soroya, and uh, and they tended to be what I've described as people who paint realistically, but with some uh, impressionistic sort of uh, uh, tendencies in right. the work. And uh, and somebody like Sargent was very popular in his time and uh, did a lot of society people in it and he i uh, gather from what i've been able to find out uh, was paid quite handsomely for the portraits he did and he did all these society people and and that sort of thing and uh, and 
after a while, uh, oh, this is a crazy cardinal who <laughs> sees this image yeah. here. He's and fighting he's, himself. That's right. And he, he will just property. go for hours here banging into the window. But anyway, Sargent, after he died and, uh, and history was sort of dealing with him, uh, there was quite a period of people thinking that he wasn't to be thought of all that seriously because he was, it was kind of fluffy. He was, you know, mm. painting fabrics most of the time and that sort of thing. And uh, then more recently, and certainly among painters, uh, he's very highly respected. And people are beginning now, I think, to revisit the value of his stuff and, and notice a lot of wonderful stuff with composition. But there are also artists living now, I mentioned Richard Schmid, mm -hmm. there are a number of others who are doing just wonderful work. I think sometimes people have the impression that all the talent existed back in the times of old masters, you know, and, uh, and that unless history has tested the quality of your art, who knows, uh, that sort of thing. But there are a lot of wonderfully good painters painting right now. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, and there are many of them on the internet too. And uh, uh, Jeremy Lipkin, Lipking is one, and, and this Richard Schmidt that I mentioned, mm -hmm. and Martin Boges, whose workshop I did for um, Landscape. Right. Uh, okay. It was a wonderful, very good teacher too. His workshops are great, but his paintings are, are very good, uh, very nice. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I get inspiration from people who are around now, too. Um, so if people want to see your work, they can contact you? That's right. I'm in the book, yeah. and aside from my son, I think I'm the only laughing. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And hopefully we'll see if there's a studio tour. And, I think there will and... be at some point. I'll be uh, participating. And there's usually the lodge, is that a spring show? It's around Thanksgiving, I think. Oh, right. Usually. Yes, that's right. It is. And it always has been mm -hmm. since I've always been here, so yeah. presumably it will continue. Yeah, I'm, I'm ever amazed at all the talent that's on this island, which is why I wanted to start this ah. radio program, because there's so much. There's a lot, isn't there? So many people doing so many wonderful things. Yes. That, yeah, yeah, it's a good place to be. We should, we should talk to these people. We should hear their stories. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> anyway, I, I really appreciate you taking the time oh, well, today. Well, it's been my pleasure. And to see more of your work because I've only seen a few pieces. So it's, a, it's a really a treat to be here. Well, thank you. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for joining us this week on Studio Stories as I sat in the island studio of artist Chris Laffin. We have some works and links at cjai.ca slash studio stories, so be sure to visit.